When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mr. Charlie Duke, 10th man to walk on the moon, youngest man to walk on the moon, and Warren Ash Peter, who has not been on the moon and neither has myself. And our friend Aaron Shepard couldn't make it because he's busy. I'm not sure when the next time he's going to talk to someone who's walked on the moon is. So his loss. But Mr. Duke, thank you so much for coming back on. And my friend Warren here. Warren, introduce yourself. Hey, my name is Warren Esh Peter. Uh, I run a space themed nonprofit that does a lot of educational outreach and research. Uh, right now, we're funding the University of Georgia to build a small satellite, a little CubeSat, about the size of this thing. And currently, I'm living in Colorado working for another space company as an engineer as well. Yeah. And Mr. Duke needs no further introduction. Um, Excuse me? Where are you located? Me? I'm in Ocean City, Maryland. Okay. I'm uh, not far from uh, Wallops Island. Uh, I have yet to see a launch. But um, Mr. Duke came on here last time and we spoke about a lot of things, one of which was uh, rediscovering faith after you came back from the moon. And I've actually used that analogy a lot with people. Um, You know, where do you go after you've climbed the highest rung? You know, it's you often see it with individuals. They've made all the money in the world. I believe Sam Walton, founder of Walmart, said on his deathbed, I've wasted it, meaning that what do I do now? And uh, I spoke to Warren about that beforehand. But Warren also brought up some other questions that I forgot to ask you about last time. But, you know, working for a what a course bottling or a distribution plant? Uh, I was a distributor. Yeah. Uh, of course, uh, they were expanding into South Texas, and uh, I thought it would be uh, at that point in my life I was, uh, you know, looking from moon to money, and uh, <laughs> uh, the uh, and that and that was a good opportunity. I had a friend up in uh, uh, Wichita, Kansas, that uh, came into business with me. We were sort of equal partners. I was doing the work, and he was financing most of it. So uh, that started a, a very lucrative business for about uh, two years. And mm-hmm. then uh, my family, uh, my brother, my sister, and uh, others didn't think it was a, a very good uh, profession for a former astronaut. So, uh, uh, so there was well, they suggesting that you do they were, they were praying yeah they were i think i know they were praying i said uh, god if you don't want him in this business and my wife too if you don't want him in this business uh make it so miserable that he sells out so uh so one of her prayers and uh anyway uh i enjoyed the beer business uh but uh it wasn't for me and so uh, I had a choice to make uh, after about two years, and that was, you uh, know, I chase the money, or do I have go for peace in my life? And uh, and so uh, I chose that I better go for peace, and uh, sold out. So that was the start of my business career, and then uh, since then I've done a lot of different things. I finished up. That was in eighty seventy eight that I sold out my beer business and uh then i uh, i was finishing my air force reserve actually and so i was working a lot uh in the uh in the air force recruiting service and they would call me to duty say 60 days at a time and and so i was probably six months a year uh, involved with them and the rest of my time was uh uh, just growing in the Lord at that point, I'd um, come to the Lord right after I sold the beer business, and uh, uh, so uh, my seems like every chance I got, I was uh, 
uh, reading the Bible mm-hmm. and uh, going to some Bible studies and all, and just growing in my faith and seeing my life change and uh, my marriage and family and you know, all of those kind of things. Yes, sir. And and you and so obviously we spoke about last time and sort of now is how you know after you came back from going to the moon it was like there's you know you i believe you said you helped work on the or the preliminary designs for the space shuttle but it it just wasn't fulfilling you know it wasn't the same thing and would you say that so i i I preface that to say so we know obviously the moon had an impact on your faith now is there like a different angle to it though is there something about you know, it, it, regardless of your religion, you might wake up and see a, a beautiful sunrise, or you might see, you know, like baby ducks, or like freshly fallen snow, all sorts of things that, you know, can just fill one with, I mean, it's filled, like, it's inspired poets for millennia. Do you feel that something about, no pun intended, something so alien as walking on another celestial body, do you, does that ever get tied back into, I guess, your reinvigoration of faith after you came back? Uh, I think so. Um, the, uh, when I uh, really committed my life to the Lord in, in April 78, uh, I, uh, as I said, started reading the Bible and uh, and at that point, I I, I, I realized that uh, as I was reading through the scriptures, there's some beautiful uh, uh, verses like in Isaiah, it says the heaven, I know the 19th Psalm says, the heavens declare the glory of God, the skies proclaim the works of his hands. And uh, I start looking at the moon at that point and uh, all the starry host and the Milky Way, and I said, "Man, the power of God to speak all of that into existence, and uh, the, the orderliness of the universe is." Uh, so I that, that began to strengthen my my faith in the Creator mm-hmm. uh, that we all are an accident. There's a design, and uh, we uh, are made in His image. And he's given us this beautiful earth to enjoy. And so you see the little ducks in the waddling behind their mom or above Lando Park here. There's a lot of ducks down there. And so we drive through and there they are. And so you just, it's life. We have deer in our yard, uh, white-tailed deer wandering through and uh, they drop their babies down the hill from us and up they come. And uh, so you just see all of that wonder, if you will, yeah. of life. Yeah. And, and God's given us all that. Yeah. Warren, I know Warren, you you, you, you sent me several questions beforehand and I, uh, like, a, like a real good friend, I ignored them, but I don't want, I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to take out your time. I'm, so I want to, yeah. But Warren, so what? Do you have any questions for Mister Duke? Because I'm going to keep going on like an idiot. I always no, no, no. I I love I love the direction it's going in. One thing I'll say is uh, when I was working at Kirtland Air Force Base a few years ago, I was in this apartment complex right near the gates, and there was this family of ducks that lived in this extremely dirty artificial pond. (laughs) (laughs) But I loved it. They became my friends. But um, something that I just want to talk about, I guess, is directly related to what you just said, the, the the wonder and the glory of life behind it all, right? And that's such a stark contrast to being one of the only people within, you know, a million miles. And then for the people in the future going beyond that. So I guess, how would you compare the the beauty or the the wonder of being on the moon or even just being alone in that extreme darkness looking at the cosmos versus, you know, seeing the sort of joys we see on Earth. Did it kind of strike a different chord with you or was it, did it feel very similar in the sort of awe? Well, uh, of course, uh, the difference of looking at it from the Earth and uh, 
and seeing that that half moon up there and said I, I can see basically where i landed you know it brings back a lot of nostalgia and a lot of uh uh, uh wonder and uh uh satisfaction you know that we were able, i was able to do that and uh but being there is uh is is a, it, it wasn't spiritual uh and i I wouldn't even call it phil- philosophical experience. Uh, what it was was a, a wonder, uh, a an awe and a, an excitement, and a, a sense of belonging that this was something that we were supposed to do as humans and uh, and go explore. I believe God has given us this uh, spirit of uh, inquisitiveness and uh, to seek out and to uh, discover. And that was, uh, it was that sense that I think drove John and I while we were there. Uh, it was just a tremendous uh, uh, sense of belonging and, uh, you know, the experiments we had to do, all of that. Uh, and so uh, looking back on it now as uh I see it from afar. I just uh, got a uh, email from a young man that's uh, uh, lives. Uh, he's a college student. Uh, I think he lives up in the northeast somewhere. But he's remastered the all of the Apollo sixteen films. Oh wow! And it's two hours and 35 minutes it's on youtube uh okay. apollo remastered or something like that i'll send y'all i'll send you all i'll send you the link tommy okay but it's fantastic uh i mean it brought it all back i mean things i had forgotten really and, that's awesome and, uh, so it was uh we watched it night before last uh, uh and uh, my wife and i so I'm spreading it all over right now. All my old NASA buddies. So we got, yeah. you know, we got this uh, association of people that uh, former NASA guys and gals that were there during Apollo. So I put the word out to Bill Moon, who was a flight controller, and he sort of handles the list. Anyway, uh, so uh, it, it's well worth your two hours and 30 minutes. To, uh, Definitely. That sounds cool. Absolutely. One thing I... He's oh, sorry. Others also, but I haven't had a chance to watch it. But uh, he wrote me an email and and about uh, uh, about this. He wanted me to see it. So uh, that's amazing. Wrote him sit back and said that was tremendous. <laughs> that's that's amazing. Yeah, that's super cool. I have um, just a I guess a little follow up. I think it's when you say that there was a sense that you were supposed to be there, right? When you go to the moon, like God has made all this and it's, it's for us to explore and to expand and to learn and to love and all that. That's, uh, that's probably the first time I've heard something like that, right? Even on earth yeah. with, with, I don't want to call it like the conquering, but the exploring of, of the Americas, especially and all the manifest destiny, right? The, the colonizers say, God wanted us to do this. God wanted us to do this. But then, um, you know, looking back, some historians or the way that it was done is just like, ah, we don't know if that was that was great with the Native Americans and things like that. But um, with with going to the moon, just having a sense that you were going to be there. I do you see that in in other astronauts or hold that same emotion for for going even beyond the moon right it's it's our destiny to to go beyond that to mars and past the solar system everything like that uh yeah i do see it uh i think we it, it was a it was apparent in uh, apollo and uh now that we got artemis uh, and uh, i see the excitement uh, uh in the crews that have been selected or the astronauts have been selected i don't think the crews exactly have been selected but there's a whole cadre of uh, present-day astronauts and mm-hmm. 
I, I see their excitement uh, about it, and and uh, let's go uh, explore another part of the moon that we didn't even get close to. They're aiming for the South Pole region, uh, and uh, I've been working with uh, uh, some of the contractors uh, who are, you know, uh, hoping to uh, build the uh, lander. Mm-hmm. and the rover and uh it's been uh, to see their excitement and uh what they have uh what they envision and and how nasa is going to use all of this is uh it's got everybody really excited and and i agree uh, it's it's going to be a uh that that nature is just within us everybody doesn't have the you know the the desire to go out in deep space, but that nature of exploration, if you, I'm a member of the Explorers Club and uh, we've got uh, uh, members who are uh, exploring the undersea or, or going down into caves and, uh, uh, you know, trekking the Antarctic and all that just to explore it all. And so, you see this uh, this inquisitive nature that God has given us, and uh, and I think He wants us to understand uh, our universe. And uh, uh, I don't think I'm not one to colonize, but uh, I don't think we'll ever do that. But uh, but certainly to go out and explore, maybe even as far as Mars. Mars is a uh, order of magnitude more than a moon mission so oh yeah yeah that's months uh, it's it's i don't mean just time-wise i mean a monumental uh task to build something that's so dependable that they can fly it out there and be gone a year and a half and uh with no chance of refurbishment or resupply uh Baby, you're on your own when you <laughs> and you leave, yeah, sure. you leave Earth orbit. Yeah. Do you do you think perhaps that's some of the attraction though? Is you know we look back at you know I've been hearing I was born in 1990 and I mean I remember hearing this back as far back as middle school it was like they went to the moon with less like computing power than the calculator on your desk you know and it's do you think that's some of the attraction is that like yeah you like you got on top of like a like a thimble on top of a rocket as tall as the empire state building and then lit it <laughs> and just went you, is that some of the attraction though it's like hey there's no room for error well that i think that's part of it but just the adventure of it is yeah attract people you yeah. know i'm i'm ready to do this and commit <laughs> and commit my two years to it yeah and um, and and have confidence in your equipment and uh, all you the the uh, uh, the uh, knowledge that that takes, uh, you know, I, to me, I look at uh, a Mars mission uh, similar to uh, Apollo Eight. Uh, when when they lit that engine on the S four B to push them out of Earth orbit, they were on their own. It had to work. They weren't going to come back. (laughs) And they they took it willingly. Uh, My neighbor, Bill Anders, we live next door to Bill, and, uh, uh, you know, families were close, and and they were just ready to go. Nobody nobody wringing their hands, you know, like this. Oh, my God, why are we doing this? And maybe some of the... The press and the Congress, but certainly not at NASA, and uh, uh, and so they they undertook that. And uh, you know, you look at that mission. There was uh, it was the first time people had been on board the Saturn V. It was just the second time that they had flown the command service module, and uh, with people. And we're committing them in this system that had that low level of experience uh, on it uh, to take these people to the moon and back. Yeah. It's a 
you know, the crew said, we're ready. And so, uh, it, you know, it all worked. You know, I, I look back now and, oh man, I, you know, I think one of the most profound statements uh, from the moon was, uh, of course, Neil Armstrong's uh, first step, you know, one small step is quote, that quote. Yeah. To me, the second was on Apollo 8 when they turned on the TV and they had Earthwise and they started reading from Genesis. Oh, yeah. It was profound. And, my, and I was, uh, even though I wasn't a real follower of Christ then, it was, it, it, it really touched me. Yeah. And, uh, so, uh, you know, that's, they're one of the only crews that are, everybody's still alive. And uh, so, the, of the whole crew. And, uh, they, they, they took a lot on and they were willing to do it. Foreman uh, was a great commander and Lovell and Anders. And uh, so, uh, Mr. Duke, do you think uh, do you think you could get them to join you on this podcast? Do you think you could get everybody to sit down together? Uh, I'd reminisce. I'd ask, but I doubt it. Uh, <laughs> I don't. Tommy's not that cool yet. I'm not. See, it's a lot different if I ask if I email them versus if you do. There's there's different <laughs> tiers of credibility if you ask them versus myself. That would be amazing. Is so. I was thinking. You know, there and it started to strike me last summer that there are that there are a lot of similarities between the '60s and and right now, right? I mean, you could draw comparisons with with Vietnam and in you know the Middle East with us pulling out. You could draw comparisons with race relations. You could draw comparisons with are we, you know are we are we fighting a foe? You know, uh, the Soviet Union, or are we you know with China? Do you think that there that we could benefit equally from because it, it's so insane that it's like it's when we went to the moon, just uh, ignore the fact that we actually went. But I mean, it's it's six years after Kennedy was assassinated. It's seven years after the Cuban Missile Crisis. It's right smack dab in the middle of the Cold War. And with all the social turmoil and unrest and we still went do you think that there is some power in like a national effort to go to go to Mars? You know, again, not because it is easy, because it is hard. Do you think that that is will seem do you think that has the possibility to sort of pull us through these? I mean, what, what I believe uncertain times in America or is is that just a pipe dream? Well, I don't see that uh, uh, unity in uh, in our country uh, that surrounded Apollo and started pushing Apollo. I thought, I think the whole country came behind that at first. Changed later uh, after, uh, you know, about 15 and 16, things started to change as far as the political climate goes. But right now, I don't see that we're going to do that, that, that motivation and that leadership that Kennedy gave, you know, the boldness of those speeches and so we're going to do this, and for the for our uh, a variety of reasons, and the whole world, a whole nation got behind it, mm-hmm. uh, in spite of uh, uh, Vietnam and in spite of uh, uh, the uh, turmoils that uh, in the politics, uh, it it was something that I think united our country, mm-hmm. uh, and. Uh, uh, I don't see that yet, but it come uh, as far as uh, uh, certainly the Mars missions go. Uh, but uh, who knows? Uh, you know, if there's some vital discovery or something like that that uh, will push us to uh, will push us into uh, uh, undertaking that tremendous uh, uh, engineering feat of of designing a system that would uh, uh, go to Mars and return the crew safely. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> I, I see uh, uh, with Artemis, I see a, uh, there's a, there was a, I think a unity. I, 
we haven't heard much from the Biden administration about his stand on on uh, on space. So we'll see. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, after uh, George Bush uh, did what's called the constellation, Obama canceled everything except the Orion, which was the command service module, Apollo on steroids, if you will. Yeah. And then, uh, and so it sort of languished uh, there, and uh, we were being very successful with space station and shuttle, uh, but near Earth orbit. And now uh, Trump comes along and says, "Okay, we're going to commit Artemis," and uh, and I think we're subject to every the whims of the sure. American Congress and the administrations. Hopefully that we can see the benefit of uh, of the technological spinoff and revolution that mm-hmm. takes to develop these systems and uh, this work ethic, if you will, and uh, apply it to apply it to our country. And uh, as you know, as Apollo did, and, uh, it. I mean, I think uh, what the the, the, the technologies that were developed, developed in the uh, Apollo were foundational, if you will. You see that now in, in all of we experience in, in engineering and uh, communications and uh, uh, and it's still uh, exponentially increasing. Mm-hmm. And uh, so you know, this good came out of it. Somebody says, why do we spend more? I think back in like 70, anyway, the mid 70s, uh, some uh, reporter somewhere asked me, why do we spend so much money on the moon? And uh, I said, well, we didn't spend any money on the moon. We spent on the United States of America. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And and we had four hundred thousand people working uh, directly at the height of Apollo, and then the the grocery store was living off of those four hundred thousand jobs, and so was the car dealer, yeah. and so was the doctor, and so was the you name it. Yeah, it, yeah. The, the spinoff of all of that across the country had a tremendous impact on. Uh, every area of our country mm-hmm. and so uh it's not just wasted money it's uh it was building a, a, a industrial and uh engineering foundation uh for the country that was uh with the entrepreneurs of today they just well let's take this and go that way with it mm-hmm. yeah and uh, it 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 paid off tremendously. Yes, sir. M- yeah, maybe. I think uh, it it laid a huge groundwork. And now with with private space, that's SpaceX, Blue Origin, you name it. The the biggest things because in my time at uh, I was at NASA JPL for a bit, and so I have some friends at different NASA centers, and all of their work is so dependent on the administration. And in, you know, today's age, Trump could tweet something and then their whole group, like 500 people would be like, oh crap, now we got to do Mars instead of the moon. We're switching boys. <laughs> and so you have all these hours of simulation and research doing, doing specific moon tasks goes to Mars because of one tweet. And you're like, well, there goes four months. And then it goes back and forth and back and forth. But uh, with, with these private companies, right? SpaceX going going to Mars, pretty single lane mine. Uh, you know, it's not it's not as impacted by that. And I mean, they can they can go and win grants to uh, attempt landing on the moon for the Artemis missions, right, and things like that. But having that that more solidified foundation and knowing the direction without the administration having a huge huge impact on it, I think. Uh, is the greatest thing accelerating us towards mm-hmm. any exploration of, of Mars or the moon in the future. Maybe, maybe that needs to be the, the ultimate COVID stim, uh, stimulus 
is we're going to Mars by the end of the decade, not because it is easy, because it is hard. Put everyone back to work. I mean, they got to use, right? They got to use those clean rooms anyway to build all that stuff. So we'll all, be quarant- we'll all be quarantined. We'll all be in the hazmat suits. Maybe yeah. that's the ultimate. Mr. Duke, I, we've gotten to 30 minutes, and I, but I, I do have two more questions from Warren that I'll, I'll run by really quickly. He, I'm, I'm enjoying it. So let's okay. Just- Oh, okay. Woo! Awesome. Is I like to think I made the positive impact. I think you did because <laughs> I, I didn't. I didn't get that last time. So I think the. I think the ex. I think Warren. I think you have the right stuff. Um, All right, Mister Duke, we'll hang out. Yeah. No. No. <laughs> so hey, don't do that to me, man. So Warren, Warren sent me a good question that I hadn't thought about, and it was, "What did you aspire to be growing up?" Because there were no astronauts, right? If Warren and I can grow up, I want to be an astronaut or, you know, I want to be uh, whatever. But those didn't exist because, you know, you you were the original crew. What, <laughs> so, you know, it, it just makes it even cooler. So what exact, you know, what all did you aspire to be growing up? Well, uh, I was, uh, uh, can remember World War II. And, uh, and all of the sacrifices that went into uh, us winning that war and uh, not only personal sacrifices, but uh, national sacrifices. And, uh, and so I wanted to, decided that I wanted to serve my country like my daddy did. Mm-hmm. And so we were growing up, my twin brother and I were growing up in a small town in South Carolina. and. Uh, so I decided I'd, I'd like, my dad was in the Navy, so I said, well, I'd like to go to the Naval Academy so I could serve my country. So it was basically a desire to serve, uh, and uh, and I liked the military. I'd been, uh, you know, making model airplanes and, uh, you know, during the war. And so we were all caught up uh, in, in the war effort, if you will. Mm-hmm. It was, pre-teens mm-hmm. and uh, so I, I decided to go to the Naval Academy and uh, I had uh, when I got there I had fallen in love with airplanes really and uh, so I was kept dreaming of being a pilot and uh, <clears throat> Navy uh, gave us some uh, several opportunities to fly uh, just as you know, take us up and let you see what it is. And uh, we had these called the N3N yellow apparels. They were pre World War II airplanes, but they were open cockpit, you know, bi wing seaplanes. <laughs> and uh, that's crazy. It was. Uh, it was. They were. It was really fun. And, uh, <laughs> I said, I want to be a pilot. And uh, so that started the, the aviation, and then I chose the Air Force over naval aviation. And uh, when I was at flight school in uh, October of uh, 97, uh, 57, 1957, Sputnik went up. And that was the beginning of the space age in my mind. Yeah. And uh, so... I think I would hear a story or two every once in a while about sending people into space. And uh, so uh, I was on my way to Germany, I think it was, or it just arrived when the first group of astronauts were selected. And uh, I I guess I had a fleeting thought about, man, that would be really a great job. You know, I was just too young, and it, I thought they were going to have this the seven, and that was it. You know, and but then NASA started expanding, and when I came back from Germany in '62. Uh, they'd had the second group, maybe the third group had been selected, and uh, so you could see the expansion. And but even then, I was not qualified. But the Air Force had sent me back to school. And, you know, I think that you, I didn't have a dream of being an astronaut, but I loved to fly. 
uh, and, and I left Germany in 19, May of 1962, and I'd been there three years, and uh, Air Force was sending me back to graduate school. And uh, But I could have told the Air Force, hey, can I extend another year in Germany? Because I loved the job. It was tremendous, ex- exciting. Uh, flying airplanes over there, mm-hmm. and uh, and then extend and then stay another year and then go to graduate school. And uh, I think they would have approved that, but something in my me said, "Go to graduate school." So I left this great job. If I'd extended in Germany, I'd have never made it to the moon. Because when I got to MIT, ended I ended up working on my thesis to uh, uh, on the Apollo guidance and navigation system that uh, MIT was building, had the contract to build. Anyway, I met some astronauts during this time and and they really motivated me to try to be an astronaut. And I, I kept asking what I need to do and so it was just their enthusiasm and their excitement about their job that uh, that really flipped me to that way. And so I I followed their advice, went to Tuscaloosa School, and graduated in July '65. And in August of '65, NASA says we're looking for more astronauts, and so I applied and. Uh, uh, along with uh, four other guys, three other guys in my test pilot school class. We all ended up there. And then another couple of guys from uh, from Edwards, uh, Joe Engel, uh, X-15 pilot. Fred Hayes was another uh, uh, a guy from at, at NASA, works for NASA, but a civilian test pilot. So we all moved to Houston. Mm-hmm. So it was just a, a long answer for a, a simple question. Yeah. Uh, I just sort of kept my antennas up, if you will, and and you get these urges, you know, hey, I ought to do yeah. that. That ought to be really fun. Okay. And then the beer industry called your name. Yeah. Really <laughs> uh, re- rewarding. <laughs> and, uh, that's how I ended up and had 10 years, successful years. It's there, There's some beautiful... There's some beautiful lessons in that, though, and it's not that you knew exactly where you wanted to go, but rather you kind of just kept following your heart. And it's, I mean, it sounds like a like a cheesy Hallmark card, but it's like follow your heart, and you might end up on the moon. Yeah. But like, but really, that's what it was. So it's like you may not know where the end goal is, but you know if it feels right, move in that direction and then as joseph campbell said follow your bliss and doors will open where there were formerly walls and it's these paths sort of cascade almost like dominoes and it opens up and it's yeah you know like you said it was it was a whisper you know we might get put guys in space and it was oh sure oh sure and then it's you walk on the moon yeah, yeah and it's yeah exactly uh and that's what I tell a lot of young people. I says, you know, keep your antennas up and you get these little urges inside and uh, there's feelings about, hey, you know, maybe I ought to do this. And uh, uh, and so your career just takes stepping stones uh, along the way. And uh, and as you make the, the choices, uh, fortunately for me, they all worked out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, I'm, I'm just glad I followed, uh, uh, uh followed my, uh, I can't say it was a dream, but I follow my, I followed my, uh, followed my heart, as you said. Yeah. There's some, and there's some, yeah, it's, it's the, the, the beer industry thinking of cores. There's some odd parallels with with cores, right? You worked there after going to the moon, but also not a lot of people know in the 50s, Project Pluto out in uh, the Nevada test site, which was a nuclear-powered ramjet, which it, it was a weapon that was designed by, I believe, or put forward by Strategic Air Command. It was a low-flying nuclear-powered cruise missile 
that could fly for months on end. And they wanted this to design this thing to fly over Russia and it would drop nuclear bombs, it would spew radiation, and the shock waves would kill everyone. It was the doomsday weapon of all weapons. The reason why, think during the Cold War, the, the joint uh, the joint chiefs of staff of the Pentagon <laughs> during the Cold War said, We can't build this, it's too dangerous. But one of the companies involved with making the nuclear fuel rods was Coors. So some weird things. I mean, of course, has some questions, or they they got some stuff to answer for. They have, how come they hired a guy that w- walked on the moon? How come they're involved in building nuclear cruise missiles? There might be <laughs> there might be more there than we're than we're looking at. Um, they had a lot of divisions. They, they, yeah, hey, <laughs> diversify. <laughs> he's defending. He's defending them. Do you still hey, drink a lot of cores? Uh, I've not heard that story, but uh, oh, yeah. they uh, a division ceramics. Well, that's that that was the division. Yeah, and they were the best in the United States at one time in ceramics. Uh, but I was not associated with that. But the, I met the, the Coors family was wonderful people. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's awesome. It's, yeah. yeah, the ceramics division actually is the division because they made these these beryllium oxide um, fuel cells and they made thousands of them and they're about the width of a pencil. And they the the government was making them, and they're like, there can't be any cracks in them because that will it will destroy the whole ramjet. And um, fi- I think someone was just like, well, hey, who can build these like ceramic things like in mass and do it well? And I think someone was just like, what about course? Like they do it every day with 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 beer, and they're like, that's not a bad idea. So course like was all actually space. yeah. All- the mason jars and cans yeah. to lights and radar. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's it's cores the the hidden defense contractor, um, Mr. Duke. An, another question Warren had was, um, I mean, Warren coming with the good questions. Apparently, I need to hand over the podcast. Let me ask. To him. You, let me ask you, oh yeah, you yeah, ask. yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. I was gonna say, uh, this is a big circle back. We were talking about how you know, being confident in the equipment is is pretty key, right? I think there's a Chuck Yeager quote. It's like, if you aren't at least a little scared, you're not fully aware of what's happening. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> was there anything you weren't confident? What was like the least confident area of the, of the mission, whether that was flying or the rocket takeoff landing that you were just scared of back of your mind? Uh, I don't. I don't. I wouldn't say being afraid was the right term. Uh, it was uh, accepting the risk. You knew there was some risk, uh, but the the support that you had and the manufacturing uh, just eliminated most of that concern and worry for me. Uh, I I never stood over any part of the mission i thought we we had uh trained and we had thought about uh, almost every eventuality uh, and you know if uh, if the lunar module ascent engine blew up on liftoff there's nothing you can do about it anyway so don't worry about it mm-hmm. and uh, uh and uh, I convinced myself that you know rocket engines are pretty simple, mach- pretty simple pieces of gear. They don't have any moving parts, so yeah. you you don't uh, you need a pressure system, a fuel tank, an oxidizer tank, and a electrical power to open the valves. And man, that beauty's going to start, you know. And <laughs> so. Uh, I can't say I worried about anything. The only time I was afraid was uh, at the end of our EVA when uh, we had decided to do the Moon Olympics in honor of the Olympics in 72 in Munich later that year. And uh, so John and I, were we planned a high jump and a broad jump. And uh, so... uh, John starts to bounce, and uh, and then I started my bouncing, and I then I when I jumped, I straightened up and went over backwards, and uh, <laughs> and the uh, that was scary because the backpack was your life support system, of course, and uh, if it broke, you're dead. Yeah. So uh, did you win? 
Yeah, we, uh, what, yeah, I was going over my back. I was going to go flat on my back. And I said, and I, I had this thought, do something. You know, and, and fear is a, not a bad emotion if you don't panic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so panic kills you. Yeah. And uh, so I, it, it was just roll right. And I had this thought, roll right. So I rolled to the right as I disappeared behind the rover and, and broke my fall on my right hand and my left right leg. It bounced onto my back, but not so strong that it damaged and My heart was pounding and uh, John came over and helped me up. And uh, I, we had a pressure gauge on the left wrist that said normal and the RCU, the remote control unit, showed quantities normal, pressures normal, you know, everything. And you could hear the pumps running. That's good. Flowing up again to calm down. I said, well, I'm, I'm okay. Yeah. Did you jump uh, higher than him? I'm sorry? Did you win the high jump of the Moon Olympics? I think so. Uh, John, <laughs> yeah, probably John and I did about the same. He was, his balance was fantastic. But uh, if you watch this, uh, 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 Apollo Remastered, uh, I was telling you about, it shows a lot of us falling down, getting really dusty. And uh, so uh, if you fell forward, you were okay, but it was the backwards. Uh, and I, that only happened once, and uh, uh, at least to me. And uh, so I calmed down, but that was, uh, uh, that was something where I, I realized uh, that don't do anything in space that you hadn't practiced. <laughs> Fair. Uh, we had not practiced in one six gravity the high jump, and uh, we did a lot of stuff in one six gravity in the in the airplane. And uh, uh, they had a harness they could lift you up so you could be way one sixth, uh, those kind of things. But uh, anyway, uh, it turned out okay. But that was the only moment I'd say that I had that was uh, 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 it was an uh-oh movement I'm yeah. in trouble yeah. I think it's funny that the only time you would use the word afraid for your mission was when you were the cause of it <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah that's a lesson that's a lesson yeah. it's, but I've, a good lesson uh, a lot of a lot of I think a lot of dumb things you do when you if you really don't think them through and uh, <laughs> and so uh that was one of them it's 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 amazing warren's got to go in about five minutes so we'll we'll finish we'll finish this up i was you know i'm I'm kind of thinking more and more about your time with with cores and i don't i don't think well no and no but i I'm, I'm kind of i'm kind of upset that they didn't utilize you more i mean you think well, they, it was him and an olympic basketball player yeah that's true. <laughs> the dynamic duo. That's true. You got but, had some insane ad campaigns. Yeah, well, that, well, that's why I was thinking ad campaign because think, I mean, what's Coors' whole thing, right? It's like Rocky Mountain cold. It's got to be the coldest beer ever. The fact that they didn't utilize you, going like, I know cold. I've been to the moon, and then like well, crack a beer. <laughs> uh, Alan Shepard was a distributor. Oh really? <laughs> <laughs> Dude, Coors had the star-studded lineup. Wooster had a uh, distributorship in Gulfport, Mississippi. Uh, Jim Lovell tried for one, but didn't. They didn't give it. didn't give it to Jim Lovell. Uh, well, he did. I, he changed his mind. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> and uh, so. Uh, of course, they had a, a had a philosophy back in those days that none of their if you go back and look, none of their commercials had people in them, and uh, they were all focused on the product, you know, the can mm-hmm. and the beautiful Rocky Mountain scenery and the bubbling water. Yeah. And, and it was it was only after I left uh, when they started using people. Uh, they had a couple of. Uh, 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 pro ball players, uh, 
one in uh, at former Houston Astro, Dallas Cowboy guy. Uh, they had a lot of uh, distributors that had well-known backgrounds, but they didn't use any of that. They, they, crazy. But they didn't utilize the astronaut that walked on the moon. That's uh, not saying astronauts are like athletes, but Shaq owns a Papa John's and a Krispy Kreme, and they really don't utilize him either. Yeah. But also, Mr. Duke, if you're ever in the Denver area, I'll bring you to the Coors headquarters and we can go on a tour of the brewery. <laughs> oh, I've done that before, yeah. <laughs> uh, I sort of lost track, but uh, the uh, I think the, the, the guys that run it now are Pete and uh, uh, Pete Coors and there's one of his brother. Uh, they had another brother named Ed Coors that was uh, our cousin. Uh, his daddy, uh, he became a real devout Christian and was, was going around uh, speaking. But it was a wonderful family. The Coors family was really That's awesome. awesome. That's, War, uh, there's nothing Warren can offer you. He's, you've done the course tour. You've been to the moon. There's nothing Warren can offer you. Well, let me say the walk, been to the moon and all these things, worldly things. But the most exciting thing for me is walking with the Lord down. That's beautiful. Oh, I tell that a lot beautiful. of people you, uh, that walking on the moon was three days. It was fantastic. I'd do it again. But the uh, eternal walk with Jesus is forever and the peace and joy and that i have in my family experience from that is uh far greater than uh, than uh being a 10th man on the moon that's beautiful Very that is beautiful. mr duke the statesman the astronaut the distributor the the purveyor of advice it is is an absolute <laughs> honor to talk to you um warren warren's at at work and i i, I made warren skip work so he could talk to you um Mr. Duke, Mr. Hey, let me ask Warren, what is that background you got? Uh, that, uh, oh, this background? So in the, I think it was in the 70s, Stanford and NASA had a symposium where they had a bunch of architects and artists come up with futuristic uh, oh, yeah. space habitats. So I got a couple on here that are pretty cool. Yeah. Oh, wow. That I got them from someone at NASA Ames who's like, oh, dude, you got to have these. Yeah. He's the Chad. Chad at NASA.gov. <laughs> no, we're, we're, ta- we're talking to the real Chad right now, Warren. Yeah. Um, I'll send you these backgrounds if you want. Mr. Duke, I would love to have you on again with Warren if you would be so interested sometime. Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes, sir. Yeah. Well, wow. I'll, I'll, Let's stay in touch, Tommy. Yes, okay. sir. Yes, sir. Thank you very much. Well, and it was yeah. absolutely awesome meeting you, Mr. Duke. It was a great time. All the best to you, Warren. Okay. Thank you so much. God bless. God bless you all. Bye-bye. Thank you very much. Bye-bye.